Well, <clears throat> well, let's try that again. Well, welcome to March. Hi, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Free K-12 Education Talk Radio on March 1st, 2023, which comes in like a lion, but it's a pretty nice day post-snowstorm after uh, in Maine here today. Okay, and uh, all snow blowed and snow plowed out, and so we're raring to go today with a nice show. We're going to talk about creating a strong summer learning program to promote great learning and equity. And it's my friends at Varsity Tutors, and this is so key in this in this era of education. My friends at Varsity Tutors helped me pick up this show, that put together the show, and that's uh, varsitytutors.com if you want to learn more. It's a very important aspect of education these days. i got Brian Galvin here. Uh, who I believe is the chief, let me get the exact uh, title here for Brian. I think he is the chief academic officer over there. And from the National Summer Learning Association, we have Broderick Clark. Okay, he's VP of programs. And I'll tell you, the summer slide, <laughs> let's make summer a time for learning as well. If we work too hard all year long to have it slip out of the way and have to pop back in September, haven't we learned that by now? So we're going to talk <clears throat> talk about great ways to do that today. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is going to be a fun show. We're going to archive it under the podcast link at ace-ed.org. Just go over there. You can see all the, all the uh, uh, podcasts we've done under that link. Our magazine, Equity and Access, is over there, which is our online journal, which we're quite proud of. Everything we do over there is free for educators and we're all about equity so please check out ace-ed.org we got stuff on social emotional learning teacher retention and of course equity and access for every kid and everything we can do to help teachers accomplish their goals we have it over there free for you ace-ed.org and that's enough of me blabbing let me bring on Roderick and Brian, the B&B, I just realized that. Okay, Brian, I'll say hi to you first. I'm Larry. Nice to meet you. Hey, Larry. Thanks for having us. And, uh, yeah, excited to talk more about summer education. We're going to have some good times today. And uh, so it's summertime. I assume that uh, Broderick is wearing uh, his uh, bathing suit and sitting on a beach chair right now, Broderick. Is that correct? I am definitely wearing my summer, summer cap <laughs> right now. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm totally cold from the waist up. Uh, uh, sitting at this desk as we have been for the last three years, <laughs> um, but you know, fun. We have a good time in the summer. Funny. Years, no doubt. That's funny. Welcome, welcome, welcome to 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 our podcast today, my friends. Okay, Brad, I want to start with you, Broderick. Talk, talk about that, the National Summer Learning Association. Okay, and that's at summerlearning dot org. Okay, everybody, summerlearning dot org, and I think this is really important. Okay, talk about it. Roger. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with everyone, first of all. It's an honor and a privilege gratitude. to have you here, my friend. Don't, please, Thank you. know Thank that. You. Thank you. And so the NSLA, National Summer Learning Association's total mission is to make sure that every single child in this great country of ours has a high-quality summer learning uh, opportunity every single year. Um, you mentioned the summer slide. I mean, there's far too many families that have access and privilege uh, that are able to afford to pay for those experiences for their kids, but we know that there are 26 million young people that are free and reduced lunch and that fit in that poverty category that even if they wanted to, could not. And so uh, we won't rest until every single child who is the most vulnerable among us uh, have a high-quality summer learning opportunity. And I'll emphasize and underline 
high quality because low quality. High quality, good enough. How long has the National Summer Learning Association been around? Uh, We're celebrating our 30th year this year. Um, We've been lifting up this idea of summer learning and how uh, different it is from summer school, as well as how important it is to engage young people in the summertime. And so, you know, the COVID experience has amplified our issue. It took it from this issue to a major priority of of our country in terms of recovery and, you know, getting back to, you know, some greatness. And so, um, Excited to be, you know, an organization that's sought after for advice, counsel, expertise, um, as well as uh, to be a partner to learn alongside some of the great folks that are, you know, contributing to that space. And before I go back to Brian, okay, just give us an idea of the type of programs that you guys offer, okay, to, to kids and schools all over the country. Can you hear me? Oh, was that for Brian? I think you're going to Brian or for no, me? I said, I before, before I go, go back, back to Brian, Brian, I want to talk to Broderick. Gotcha. Okay, Broderick. Broderick. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, guys. So, um, you know, so as a as a national convener, uh, we're we're not a direct service provider, but we do have some demonstration projects that, yeah. um, you know, uh, we put some faces to our work. So we run a national youth leadership institute. Uh, yeah, we bring uh, 50 young people from all of our award-winning programs to Washington, D.C. They bring a chaperone or a staff person from their <laughs> um, host organization. Cool. Uh, and we do leadership training with them all week. The, the students have a track of training. The, the, the parents and the adult um, uh, staff have a separate track of training. Uh, and then we bring folks together for fellowship um, and to continue to build community. Uh, we also have a uh, congressional internship program where we work with uh, college-age students to get them to actually have a full-blown paid internship on Capitol Hill. So these, these individuals are working for congressmen, senators over the summertime. Uh, we know that, um, uh, you know, the unpaid internship is one of the most unfair, uh, you know, uh, unequitable <laughs> forms of summer learning. <laughs> <laughs> and so we made sure that those young people got paid. We made sure we removed Good. every single barrier uh, that would prevent them from doing that. Um, and so that's another one that's a really big piece for us. Um, but this, and, and let me ask, how do you, and since you just brought this up, what kind of groups do you work with as you facilitate all this? And obviously you work with school districts, I hope you do. What else? And I hope totally. school districts are in there. Tell everybody. We, yeah, we work with school districts without a doubt. We have a, a great initiative called the State Summer Learning Network where we have coaches from our organization working directly with state leaders sure. uh, who are totally responsible for creating uh, opportunities for young people in the out-of-school time and summer learning spaces. Uh, and so that coaching is ongoing, uh, thanks to the generous support from the Wallace Foundation. Uh, we also have nice. generous support from New York Life Foundation to uh, engage in, in, in those uh, pieces as well. I'm glad you mentioned them. Thanks for doing that. The work you do is really, really important. And, and you said something before that struck me, okay? You know, there's a lot of kids on free and reduced lunch. And when I ask a given, any given district, it's usually – I mean, the, the, the usual is at least 50%, but it's usually a lot higher, okay? And I'm totally. curious, when you, when you have your National Summer Learning Association, is it mostly uh, for, for under-resourced kids? If I mean, is it under-resourced schools, uh, however that shakes out, be it rural or urban? How does it shake out for you in that regard? Yeah, so, uh, so totally, you know, we, ha- we want every child to have an experience regardless, of course you right? Do. But we're totally yeah. unapologetic about saying. focusing on the most vulnerable among us. Um, so we certainly have an emphasis there, um, um, you know. So, so that that certainly, you know, where, where our focus is. Um, Good to, to to work with the most vulnerable youth in our country without a, without Good. question. Good. We're the American Consortium for Equity and Education. All young people so. at risk. 
We love it. All young people, sorry, say it again. All young people need to have a high-quality summer learning experience. So. Darn right. Here, here. I agree with you. Back over to Brian. Brian Galvin is the Chief Academic Officer of Varsity Tutors for Schools. Varsity's good friends of ours, varsitytutors.com. More important now than ever is all I can say about that, okay, just to start the conversation. Brian, tell us about Varsity, just so we can put all this in perspective. How are, how are you working with NSLA? Uh, yeah, we, um, so we are the nation's li- largest live learning platform um, where you know, we connect schools and individual learners with tutors in any subject, anytime, anywhere, sort of the, the company mission. And so where that fits yeah. in the summer is uh, we were at the, the NFLA um, conference back in October and to reiterate what, uh, what, you know, what Roger talked about. There are so many stakeholders in, in summer, whether it's school districts themselves, library programs, um, you know, kind of bespoke camps and, and uh, you know, even like housing authorities and those kind of things. We sort of see ourselves as, you know, whatever you're trying to provide to students that's difficult to do at scale, um, that's, you know, that's hard to staff up. One of the big things they talk about is recruiting staff early for all these kind of programs. Um, because of our, our scale and ability to plug in, we, the one thing that's, you know, notable in the research about um, some learning programs is you have to target the skills you want to improve, which sort of sounds obvious until, you know, you realize, you know, if you want to in- increase reading scores or math ability, you know, you have to do those kind of things. If you want to have one-on-one tutoring or small group learning at, at different ability levels, we can supply tutoring to plug into the, you know, one, two, three hours a day that, yeah. uh, that you want to be able to do those things. Or if what's missing in your program is an element of fun. Um, we have a coding platform uh, platform called Codeverse where kids can learn to code through video games. We've got, you know, so we have an astronaut leading a summer of STEAM program this summer with Ooh. enrichment activities and videos and kind of things. So if you need a little more sizzle, we can help plug that in. If you need, you know, targeted tutoring or small group learning, we can plug that in. If, if you need, you know, a coding platform or other things, um, you know, we, we like to be the missing puzzle piece or pieces for the summer program that all these different organizations wish they had. Uh, you're not missing any more. I'll tell you, you you guys do a great job. I really mean that. And you know, I, I made the point when I was in, when I wrote up this show for for the for the uh, website. You know, teachers are off in the summer, but tutors aren't. All right, and it, it, we cannot a quality summer experience. Okay, and stop this summer slide which we've been talking about for years. Okay, and with technology and great companies, we can do this. Great associations promoting all this. We can make this happen. It's so stupid, okay, to to, to finish school in June and let kids have three months, okay, with nothing, and then then wonder why they're they're struggling, okay? Hello, we know why they're struggling. They just had three months off, okay. So let's make this work and work great. Is that is, is that a good way to put it, Roger? It's ridiculous. It, 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 totally, it totally is. It totally is. I think the danger in, in some of that, um, too, is that, you know, some folks believe that more schooling in the summertime is going to, you know, you know, mitigate the summer slide. And, and, you know, what we advocate for is a summer academic experience that doesn't feel like traditional school. No one wants to sit in the summer months in a traditional setting in rows with the teacher being the center at the front of the classroom. You know, with all the respect to all those great educators that do that, we appreciate them, but out-of-school time and summer learning is not that. Um, it's when you have carefully crafted, incredible point facilitators point. that are able to weave in science, math, engineering, arts in ways that, um, you know, young people are having fun. Like, they're engaged. It's relevant to them. And they'll go the whole day and not realizing that the instructor just went over 26 
you know, literacy standards and 14 math standards. They don't have to know that. They just want to come and have fun. Uh, that's but, you know, exactly this is what right. summer learning is all about. This is what we advocate for. That's exactly, that's exactly right. You just brought up, I wasn't even thinking about that, the old summer school. Okay, how everybody dreaded that I'd have to go to summer school. This is not what we're talking about. Okay, this is not exactly. what we're talking about. We're talking about great learning experiences. You know, this is the question I don't know. I think Brian might know this. Brian, how many school, public school districts, uh, if you know this, have summer learning programs? Okay, and what? Have, just put varsity into the picture. Yeah, I, um, so I'm not sure exact number of school districts project might have that. The NSLA uh, research base oh, is fantastic, okay. but we're, we're nearing about 50% of students. Then the, the 40 to 45% of students attend some kind of summer school program. So it is, you know, it's becoming a lot more um, of a norm than, uh, than in sure. years before, like you mentioned, kind sure. of when summer school was kind of seen as, as you know, almost detention or, or a punishment now. You know, thanks to a lot of the work that uh, the folks like Broderick are doing with recruitment of, hey, summer will be different and summer will be exciting. Um, we're seeing it become more of the norm. And, uh, and, and like you guys were talking about, it, it's because it's a chance to be a little bit different. You can, can connect with learners in a different way, you know, whether it's through hands-on projects or ability to get outside or ability to spend more time on a, a targeted handful of skills. You know, you're outside of that familiar cadence of school. So the, the trends are really encouraging. The reality, is, the reality is that what the, the best teachers during the traditional school day take on a very much a summer learning kind of modality. It kind of reminds me of the brother that was standing in front of the classroom, the video that went viral and giving individual handshakes to every child before they came into the room. Uh, that was a traditional day school, um, but he's using a strategy and a technique to make connections, uh, and that's what we advocate for. Well, it's, 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 it's so darn important. I apologize for that noise in the background a minute ago. We're having some work done in the office. Okay, if you heard that, I'm so sorry about that. Okay, and uh, that wasn't supposed to happen, but it, but it did. Roger, do you know the, the answer, how many public schools in the U.S. public school districts? And I think, is, are you in Baltimore? Is, You're in Baltimore, right? I'm currently in um, – in, we're, we're located in Washington, D.C., so okay. we're like a stone's throw away from the White House. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question, and, uh, and frankly, um, you know, we have aspirations as an organization to answer that question uh, with a strong research lens. Um, but we've yeah. been searching, you know, far and wide, you know, turning <laughs> over stones to try to get a, an, ac- an accurate number, and we have not been able to do that. Uh, we've discovered that a lot of people are counting a lot of kids in programs. Sometimes they're counting kids two or three times over. Um, of course, wow. the kid doesn't care whether I'm at the Y right now and the Boys and Girls Club tomorrow and the library the next day. They're just going from system to system to system. But, you know, if we can, if somebody goes to the gas station and buys a, a, a thing of Tic Tacs and you look at the receipt, you know what time they bought the Tic Tacs, what kind of Tic Tacs they bought. You know, so much data on that receipt about that pack of Tic Tacs. We know more about a pack of Tic Tacs that we buy from the supermarket than we know about where our kids are uh, in the out-of-school time. That's a pretty scary uh, statement, I've got to tell you. Okay? That is a pretty We're scary on it. We're working statement. On it. Yeah, I know you are. So yeah, let's put this together. Brian, how are you specifically going to be – how are you partnering, working with, okay, NSLA from, from Varsity? Uh Good question. What, uh, one of the, the big we, – we participated in their conference. You know, I think you know, NFL, NFLA yeah, you and varsity that. teachers have yeah. a, a very, um, you know, very similar missions of 
helping to enable summer programs to be all that they want to be. Um, and so a lot of our partnership with NFLA specifically is, you know, being able to, to be a resource that they can recommend out to, you know, school Great. districts or housing authorities or community programs. Um, so most of our partnership is, is directly with um, the organizations providing the summer programs. And we do that, you know, primarily by being able to offer tutoring services um, where they want to have personalized learning happen during, you know, their, their, their days, their events and those kind of things. And then, you know, like I mentioned, a lot of the enrichment type programs to be able to add that, that recruitment value of kids realizing, you know, uh, one of the big things that, that came up at, uh, you know, throughout the conference this fall was recruitment is for you need to recruit teachers and make their jobs easier. And we see that, you know, if we're able to provide individualized education um, or some lesson plans or other things, we make teachers' jobs easier. You need to recruit in the community because attendance is such a big factor. It's one thing to provide the program, but if kids aren't going regularly over multiple weeks and really over multiple summers, you know, you don't right. get the gains that you're looking for that are not sustainable. And so by being able to, to help, you know, all these programs say things like, hey, there's a coding platform that kids will be able to work on or they'll be able to do these activities that are, you know, in conjunction with Monopoly is a partner that we work with on summer programming oh, or really? you know, astronaut. If we have that kind of sizzle, you know, now that recruitment job is a lot easier where, where schools and, and other partners are able to, to get people in and, and keep them hooked. And, and you just brought up something interesting, Roderick. When was, when was your conference, the one that Brian is talking about, in October, did you say? It was last October. And it's okay. going to be October Who? again this year. Same place, Mayflower Hotel right here in Washington, D.C. Good enough. Who goes to that conference? I'm driving to something here. Who goes to that conference? Are so, there less uh, school districts there, or is it mostly your community partners? That's what I'm yeah, asking. Yeah, we sold out last year, which was awesome. Um, out of the 1,000 people that showed up, about 300 of those individuals had the title of CEO, you know, chief operating officer. So a lot of decision makers were in the space. Uh, the other third were um, school districts. And so we have our state summer learning network, but we also have a relationship with an organization called FHI 360, which is doing a lot of district level uh, work. And so they bought their entire um, uh, uh, cohort uh, to our conference uh, and met. And then the other third is uh, practitioners, uh, folks that are literally on the ground serving children, youth, and families, locking eyes with families on a daily basis. And so it's a nice mix, um, but certainly um, very decision-maker heavy, which people tend to appreciate. And then yeah. it's from cross-sector. So you have librarians in the room, you have district folks, right. you have school day folks, you got out-of-school time folks, you got summer folks. Uh, and they're communicating and talking with each other in ways that they've told us that they've never had the opportunity before. And, and you know, the reason I asked the question was we have to get more more school districts involved in this, okay? And they have to understand how the community partners that they may work with or themselves can promote summer learning because there there are so many challenges out there right now, okay? This is this is the, this is the challenge. First of all, we're losing teachers like crazy. Okay, teachers, you know, it's very hard to retain a teacher, and it's very hard to find a new teacher. We have to make it easier. And what is more frustrating, okay, than working all year, leaving in June, and having kids come back, and, and, and you go back to where you started in the April or May, okay, because of a summer slide, okay? We have to prevent that, okay? We have to keep the kids engaged. If the kids are engaged, the teachers are more engaged. All right. It's all exactly. part and parcel of the same thing, and it also has to do with school climate. And I will tell you what I always believe. The more rigorous we are with our students, the more they like it. Okay? A lot of people think, oh, kids just want to take it easy in class. They don't. 
They want to be, this is almost across the board. They want to be challenged, okay, respectfully. And if they are challenged, I don't mean challenged discipline-wise, challenged academically, okay, they are going to be much, much happier. So the fact, okay, that everybody complains about the summer slide, yet all these programs are available, okay, and yet you're only getting, uh, I'm I'm hoping we get more, 30% of your of your uh, visitors to NSLA's conference are public schools, okay? We got to get that a lot higher, okay? And get all those groups involved in working together to make this work. Varsity tutors, okay, you're in the right place, okay? You you guys are great to see this. I mean, I really mean it, but this is a, this is, this is a bigger challenge. It's not just silly summer school, okay? This is the summer learning experience for, for a better school climate and better academics all year. Brian, how right am I? I, I would say very right. And I think it, it comes they back to kids do want to be challenged, like you said. They um, do. And uh, part of it is getting them to, you know, getting, getting communities to see that summer programs aren't, you know, what we used to think about them as. And that's what was so encouraging yeah. with seeing the mix of different organizations that uh, the NFLA conference, it's, you know, providers like ours, you know, the, the National Basketball Association was there with programs that, yeah. you know, facilitate yeah. learning, um, you know, all kinds of cool robotics programs and things. I think if, if kids can opt into challenges that they have some sort of vested interest in um, and, and the community sees that, hey, this is an opportunity to learn. This is, you know, this isn't a, you know, a, you know I, I hate to go back to, like, you know, punishment or a, a thing you have to do or, you know, just a, a way to, to, you know, kill time. But it, if we get kids to embrace that challenge early on in the summer, um, families to be excited and, and sharing information about the different types of programs that are available, um, you know, that's, that's when summer can really be transformational because it's, it's an opportunity to sort of reinvent how kids think about learning, the challenges yeah. they're being asked to solve. And, um, and so, you know, summer really is a great opportunity. Yeah, and, and you're right when you say the word reinvent. Okay, we have to, we, we have to reinvent education. The paradigm is different, okay? And we have to – this is what does that. And what, uh, one of you just said it's the community. It's the community that matters, and they have to understand how important it is. It all pays off in the end. And this is, this is an interesting question. Again, I don't know uh, either of you know this. Is, is there funding available f- uh, federally or statewide that you know of for summer learning budgets? Uh, I'll, I'll, throw it to, I'll throw it to Brian, and maybe Roger feels yeah. better. I'll, I'll take the, the easy answer is yes, absolutely, and NSLA has tons of resources about how to find funding for different use cases and things, so I may defer to Broderick on the, on the, uh, the yes and portion of it, but, um, but I think there's more funding out there than people realize. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian. Get into the weeds. Yeah, the current funding stream that everyone is focused on right now certainly has an expiration date. Um, is the the, um, the federal funds that came out to support um, summer learning? The American Rescue Plan dollars um, are, are are available. Those those resources, thirty billion dollars uh, in that uh, trillion dollar plan, uh, was authorized uh, acceptable use uh, for summer learning and out of school time experiences. And so those those resources went to districts uh, around the country. And in some cases, they're spending that money very well. In some cases, uh, it's yeah. unspent, and so yeah, exactly. yeah, um, some, there's a lot of fear, some anxiety around it. Do we open up the floodgates and have all this programming and can't sustain it beyond this investment period? Um, 
But we also, as a sector and as a field, at some point, have to account, like, you know, $30 billion we gave out uh, to the field, and folks haven't really leveraged that. And so there's a sense of urgency to connect to those resources, uh, figure out where they are in your local jurisdiction, uh, and make the call and make the case. Um, I believe there's also a tool. I don't have the specifics around that right now, but it's like you can you can pretty much see which districts have the resources and how much they spent it down. That's public information. Um, mm -hmm. So find yeah. out where those resources went to and pick up the phone and, and get to it because they're, they're out there. They need to be used yeah. and spent, um, and hopefully it's spent on summer learning experiences. Absolutely. <clears throat> and if they make teachers sort of look at that and find out how much their district has spent, because I'm telling you, you spend the right dollars on summer learning, you're going to have a much better teaching experience come fall. So just simple. to drop a little bit of hope here, too, this, this is a solvable issue. Just a, you know, I, I don't think we're going to solve the opioid crisis in our sector. We're not going to solve <laughs> yeah. what's going on overseas and wartime. But, you know, we can get every single child in America connected to a high-quality summer learning experience year over year. We know when they have those experiences year over year, uh, they fare better academically, social and emotionally. You know, on all the indicators, they fare better. And so we just need to ramp up the sense of urgency. If you see a child walking around the streets this summer with nothing to do, Somebody needs to have a conversation about how to connect that, that child to a high-quality summer learning that experience. That's exactly right. And everybody needs a break, okay? You can rest your brain, okay? But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about using time wisely, okay? That's engaging and fun, I might add, okay? It's that oh, experience. And, and uh, Roger, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to answer this. As you go out there and talk, your VP of programs over at NSLA, again, that's summerlearning.com. Or do you find that people, Oh, excuse me. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, do you find that more and more people are seeing the opportunity in summer learning? Again, it used to be a time when I was a kid in, this, in the inner city of Philadelphia to open up the fire hydrant and run around and get wet. Okay. And believe me, yeah, we weren't totally. doing a lot of learning back then. Okay. I'm sure kids still do that. But my point is, at community members and school districts, are they starting to see that they can't waste this time anymore? What's your take on that? I, yeah, I think the, the answer is absolutely yes, right? And so we spent the last 25, you know, close to 30 years trying to lift up the importance and trying to convince people that summer is actually not just this, like, fleeting time. Like, this is the time for us to really invest, to innovate, to get young people access. It's a time for impact. It's a time to really engage families. Uh, uh, and so we've been saying that for such a long time, but of course this COVID experience has really elevated our issue to not just be like a niche issue, but now it's like a priority for 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 our country to heal from this COVID period. And That's so right. folks more and more, not only from policy, uh, are beginning to have that conversation where they've created things like Engage Every Student. So if you go, um, our, our great leader in the U.S. Department of Education, uh, Secretary Cardona, has created Engage mm -hmm. Every Student. Now we have our federal... Um, you know, policymakers saying that we need to get every student engaged. That's awesome. Uh, uh, and, you know, they put the money behind it. The American Rescue Plan dollars are out there. Yep. And so uh, let's figure out ways to access those. Um, but we also have a parent-facing portal now where we're trying to say, like, look, parents, connect to programs. I can't there tell you, you how many times I talked to parents at the end of the summer that says, I didn't realize that program was right across the street. And so uh, wow. if you go to discoversummer.org, discoversummer.org, I'll say it again, discoversummer.org, it's like a search engine. You just put in your zip code and address, and it will pop up all the programs that are in the database that are within reasonable distance from your home. Um, and it will also see that website with a lot of knowledge and information, facts, 
um, uh, things to educate parents because a lot of times parents, you know, need out-of-school time programs for the child care. So their, their, their checkbox in terms of quality is like, oh, my kid is safe in, inside, you know, at this program. But we need to educate parents about what quality is. Don't just settle for any old program just because they have a seat for your child. It's about the quality of the experience that they have when they're there that really makes the difference. Um, and so educating them about what quality looks like, feels like, and sounds like, get them to be active, visit programs, talk to program directors, be active, volunteer at programs, um, become a part of that uh, out-of-school time community is what we're really advocating for. And you said it at the beginning, we're talking about quality programs, not not yes. silly programs, quality programs. Yes. There's okay. a lot of programs out there in the name of helping and supporting families that should never be allowed to open their doors, quite frankly. That's in my opinion. Uh, but sure quality, right. the quality movement is out here because, you know, there are a lot of people that are doing a lot of things in the name of supporting children that you wouldn't want to put your own child in. And, and if you're running a program that you wouldn't feel comfortable having your own child in, that program needs to be closed. You got that right, my friend. Thank you for saying that. So, Brian, when you were at the conference, what was the re- – I mean, people – you were there with the tutoring service, varsitytutors.com. I'll say it again. What was the reaction of all the folks that came to your uh, to your booth? Okay. Did they get it? Did um, they understand why you were there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was, um, it was pretty powerful and, and refreshing to see, one, how many different – small organizations that have really great programs or having a chance to interact with each other. And then two, kind of our theme in any of the conversations we facilitated and the booth that we held and all was, you know, what are the, the puzzle pieces that you have that you're trying to connect? And then what are you missing? And, uh, and so often what, you know, what we would find is, you know, folks would come in and say, hey, we know the research says that, we, you know, kids need time on task. We've built this great program that the community loves. Kids are safe. Kids come in, and we can do things. But we really, you know, it's hard. We still have, you know, 20, 25 kids in a group with one teacher, analyze learning to help them catch up. And we said, well, hey, we can plug in, in tutoring where, you know, kids can go into small groups, and, and, you know, we'll supply tutors to help them with that. That was something that, uh, that they hit. Or they would say, hey, we've had a great program where, you know, we have teachers that love coming into the summer. They love the extra income, the opportunity to interact directly with students. But we may need a little more sizzle, and we would mention things like, you know, hey, we've got a, a coding platform. If we want them to be able to develop mm-hmm. those skills and have, yeah. you know, have fun to create video games. So the, the neat thing for us was um, most school districts and other partners had really compelling things, knew what their weaknesses were, and then were able to find in, in varsity tutor services or in conversations with one another okay, this is something that we're missing. And, and one of the things, to go back to, you know, um, something Broderick mentioned about a lot of parents don't know that this program exists in yeah. their town, yeah. down the street or anything like that. Yeah. Some of the, the really great conversations so were about um, recruitment and, uh, you know, community awareness and, and you know, making sure that, uh, that folks know where the high-quality programs are. And um, so it's, it's, it's a really great service that NFLA is putting on to, help share best practices, you know, across the country and across, you know, programs, library programs, talk to library programs and different programs so that they can, you know, find out what's working, what are those missing puzzle pieces and what partners like Varsity Tutors exist to help fill those in. Yeah, and get the community involved to understand that the quality is out there and somebody's vetting it and making it. I, I, I love this. This is just great, guys. I got to thank you. Broderick, good luck with everything. This is fantastic. I mean, you're doing a great thank job. Thank you, brother. Man. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you very you're much. Doing. You're right there. You're right there where we need where we need you to be. And Brian and your good friends, my good friends over at Varsity. Thanks a million. I appreciate this.
I really do, and I appreciate the of work course. you're doing. There's a changing educational landscape out there, and tutoring isn't just to help Larry pass algebra to get past the next test in 1964, okay? Tutoring is an essential part of equity and learning these days, and it goes 12 months a year, okay? Enough of this summer slide and all this, and Broderick agrees with me, I'm sure. Gentlemen, the two, the two men, the BR and the BR, Broderick and Brian. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Really yeah, I, I just Thank had you. my summer gear on like, uh, like Roger did. Hey, Larry, if I can back on one, one uh, quick thing. At oh, the sure. End. Summer slide, you know, we wanted to talk about is um, it, it's a reality and, and it's a challenge. But you said something really interesting at one point about how summer learning can make fall teaching more effective and easier. Oh, absolutely. And one thing I challenge, you know, especially parents listening or anyone thinking about summer programming, um, think about it like the tortoise and the hare. That, uh, that with the summer slide, when other people are taking a rest or regressing, that's when the kids who have been behind we all school year where it just sort of seems like the moment they get caught up, a new chapter, a new skill, something else adds on, and they just never really get a chance to thrive. Um, yeah. I like to look at tutoring over the summer, summer programs as, you know, that's when, you know, in, in the classic tortoise in the hair case, it's a really, you know, it's, there's a, there's a silver lining in, in the summer slide Slow that it's a chance for those who are really working to make up that gap, have an yep. extra chance to make up that gap. And so uh, hopefully we can see. I love the idea that eventually we'll have every student thriving throughout the summer. But for now, if you kind of look at those learners that need that extra boost, man, is summer a perfect time to give it to them so that, you know, they're, they're back with the pack when September starts and, and they can really thrive. And, and, and I'll say what you, you brought it up again. It has there's a, there's a challenges out there in finding and keeping great teachers. Okay, and this matters. Okay, you get rid of that frustration of the summer slide. Okay, you're starting to fresh and new and bright, and everything's better. Okay, it's it's part and parcel of tutoring and the whole new educational landscape that's out there. Good point, Roy. Thanks for bringing that up, my friend. Slow and steady wins that race. That's all I have to say. Right, Roderick. Roger, Absolutely. just keep moving. Yeah. Absolutely. So we, I go swimming today, my friend. It's uh, March 1st. <laughs> Summer. <laughs> Summer. <laughs> okay. Hey, guys, you guys take care. I appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Be good, good guys. Be yeah, it's a pleasure from my end, too. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, great guys. Roger and Brian. Roger Clark who is the VP of programs over at NSLA, National Summer Learning Association, summerlearning.org. Thank you, Broderick. Okay, and Brian Galvin, Galvin, Chief Academic Officer of Varsity Tutors for Schools, varsitytutors.com. Okay, so thanks, everybody, for helping put this together. This was a good show. I enjoyed this. Learned some stuff. Okay, hope you did, too. Uh, see what we do over at ace-ed.org. I'm Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening.